You're listening to the Grace Covenant Statesville audio podcast. We are beginning at uh, 21 days of prayer and fasting, starting Tuesday and 21 days from there out. Now, the cynics among us will say, you're just playing upon all the guilt of the holidays from the binging we've been doing, and, and that's why you're doing this now, and you're not wrong. Um, there's no way we'd be doing this in the, you know, the lead up to Thanksgiving. You know, hey, 21 days of fasting, Thanksgiving, you know, that's how, so we're, we, so yes, there is some strategic um, alignment here. But there's more than that as well. It is the fact that it is a new year, the very beginning of a new year, and we're wanting to set a tone for what we believe God may want to do with us and through us and amongst us here this coming year. There's definitely something significant about what God does in the lives of his people when they set themselves to prayer and fasting. So let me just take a few minutes and let's say, what do we know about fasting? Now, we, prayer is a fairly simple thing to discuss. I mean, it's, you know, it's, uh, you know it's, it's our communication with God, and there's different ways of doing that, but conceptually it's a fairly easy thing to, to talk about. Fasting, though, there's, there's a little bit more uncertainty as to what that means. So what do we know about fasting besides the fact that it's hard and no one likes to do it? Um, for our purposes, fasting is the spiritual discipline in which we abstain from food for spiritual purposes. We're abstaining from food for spiritual purposes. Now, it's also somewhat ironic in that fasting is not specific to, to Christ followers. And many of you know within our culture, fasting is advocated for a variety of reasons, primarily for health. Um, all kinds of different fasts you know, different purges and things they do to cleanse the body of impurities. And so fasting is, is one, if you actually went to, you know, somewhere in the community, whether you're in the store or a parents group, or whatever, and we're talking about fasting, that's a conversation you can have with a lot of people because it's common to be thinking about that or to, to actually understand whether they practice that or not is one thing. But the idea of fasting for health reasons is very common within our culture. The other thing that's interesting is that fasting existed long before it became known within the Jews in the Old Testament and Christians later on. Um, Historians may be able to look at ancient cultures in that, that part of the world, and they found fasting is prevalent in every one of them. So, although... So fasting, when, it, when we actually get to the Bible times, and we actually get to the Israelites and, and fasting becoming instituted by the law that Moses uh, gave them, by the time it got to there, again, within all the surrounding cultures, fasting was part of the culture. as part of what they did. So there was nothing new in that regard as to what happened with fasting. To be honest, we don't know when or where fasting began. It just, in some ways, we, it just always has. It's one of those things within the cultures. Nevertheless, as Christ followers, fasting has something significant for us. So, what else do we know about fasting? <clears throat> Nowhere in Scripture are we commanded to fast. Interesting, isn't it? However, what we do know is that Moses fasted. He's the first one. The first account of anyone fasting was Moses. In Exodus chapter 34, it says that Moses was there with the Lord 40 days and 40 nights without eating bread or drinking water. And he wrote on the tablets the words of the covenant, the Ten Commandments. So if you're familiar with the story of Moses, 
going up the mountain, met with God, uh, during which God gave him the Ten Commandments. That was, again, from what we read here, was a 40-day, 40-night period during which Moses did not eat or drink. And I understand for health reasons, that creates a few questions for many of us. However, especially with regards to no liquids, but that's the first occasion where we see that fasting is mentioned in the Bible. Moses fasted. We know that David, the most powerful king and ruler, the most successful leader in Jewish history, fasted. Elijah, the prophet, fasted. All of the Old Testament prophets fasted. Jesus fasted 40 days and 40 nights. Jesus taught on the subject of fasting, and he expected his followers to fast as well. In Matthew 6, he says, when you fast, and he goes on to talk a little bit more. So it wasn't a question of if you fast, it was a question of when you fast. The disciples obviously fasted as a result of that, and fasting was embraced by the early church, as we see in the book of Acts. So fasting was quite prevalent within the Jewish culture and also within the the Christian culture that emerged in the New Testament. Clearly, fasting was a common part of life for them. Now, what we also, if we look at Scripture, there's probably 50-ish different episodes or incidents of fasting that are described in the Bible. They can be kind of boiled down to five different categories. Five different reasons why people fast in the Bible. One, it's a sign of grief or mourning. In Second Samuel, David and his army, they've been on the run from Saul. If you're familiar with that story, Saul's been trying to chase them and kill David, and David's been able to avoid him. Ultimately, Saul and his son Jonathan are killed in a battle against another opposing army. When David and his men heard of the death of Saul and the loss of the battle, they tore their clothes. They lamented and wept and fasted until evening because Saul, his son Jonathan, the Lord's people and the house of Israel had fallen by the sword. So fasting is often as a sign of grief or mourning. We also know that fasting is a sign of repentance and seeking forgiveness for sin. Remember the, the story of Jonah and the whale? And he, he, if you're familiar with that, he, God instructed him, I want you to go to Nineveh and tell them that I'm going to destroy them unless they repent. And ultimately, that's the whole story, uh, but ultimately uh, Jonah does go to Nineveh, tells them about their sin and they need to repent, and the people actually do. It says in Jonah chapter 3, it says, the people of Nineveh believed in God and they declared a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest to the least of them. They recognized that they were wrong, they had been in sin and they repented and fasted before God as a sign of repentance and to seek forgiveness from their sin. David, when he had the affair with Bathsheba, and remember then he had her husband killed And then the baby was born and was sick. And David prayed to God for the child and fasted. He would even go and spend the night laying on the ground, again, as acknowledgement of his sin and repentance and seeing if that would somehow cause the baby to live. So as a sign of grief or mourning, we fast as a sign of repentance and seeking forgiveness. We also see 
fasting as an aid in prayer. It's kind of like a boost. It's like the turbo boost. If you have an engine and you have a turbo boost, it gives that extra burst of power. Many times we see people who are in prayer over a specific concern or need and engage fasting as that boost to actually see if that will help or change the circumstances. In some ways, it's saying to God, I really mean business. I'm really serious. We really need you. And Esther, we saw that. If you remember from our series uh, last fall, when she's going to go before the king and plead her case, she says, says to um, her cousin, she says, go assemble all the Jews who are found in Susa and fast on my behalf. Don't eat and don't drink for three days, night or day. My female attendants and I will also fast in the same way. Afterward, I will go to the king, even though it violates the law. If I perish, I perish. So there again, fasting was added because of just the severity of the circumstance, the significance, the dire need that they were facing, and fasting was added to their prayer life as a result. Fasting, we also see as as an experience of the presence of God. Elijah um, was kind of off in the wilderness, and the angel of the Lord came to him, and touched him and says, get up and eat for the journey that you are about to face is too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank. Strengthened by that food, he traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. So there God encountered him and said and empowered him for this fast. And so there was this response to what God was doing in his life. And then lastly, the fifth reason is that we see fasting as an act of ceremonial public worship. Moses instituted fasting, a day of fasting for the, the, their, the day of atonement as in memory of when, the, when they were, remember the book of Exodus when they were in Egypt, all the plagues came by and then the last plague was the death of the angel of death came and took the firstborn of the Egyptian sons. All the Israelites were spared if they put the blood of a lamb over the doorpost. And, and so that blood was the atonement that saved their lives. As memory of that, Moses said, every year on this particular day, we're going to fast and not eat as a group. This is what we're going to do. And that's what the Israelites had done uh, for centuries after that fact. So it was a public act of ceremonial worship. Here's the thing, and it's a critically is important that we all recognize this, is that God is the ultimate source and sustainer of life. Our lives are dependent upon the connection to his presence and obedience to his words. Fasting is not a means of manipulating God. It's not a means of getting what you want. Abstaining from food and fasting is an act of humility before God. Nothing more, nothing less. It's an act of humility. It's us posturing ourselves before God in a way that reminds us of who he is and how much he loves and cares for us. We also discover that there's three different types of fasting that we find in the Bible. There's the total fast, where you abstain from food and water. We saw Moses did this. Um, We saw Elijah um, did this. Esther asked them to do this for three days. So that's what we call a a total fast, where there's no food or drink. Obviously, um, those of you who um, understand the body and health and medical things, realizing to go without liquids 
for more than three days is dangerous. So the fact that Moses and others went for 40 days, we would look at that as a miracle, as that, that's part of being in div- God's divine presence, that something unique was at play here that was not normative for us. I think what to say, three days is the max someone should go without any liquids. <clears throat> so, but a total fast is when you're abstaining for a period of time of all food and all water, there's nothing. Then there's what we call, we refer to kind of like a normal fast. Normal in the sense, this is what most of us uh, practice, is where you abstain from all food for a period of time. So you might drink and have water and other liquid sustenance, but there's no physical food that's entering your body at this point in time. Um, this is what Jesus would have done for his 40 days for night. So that he didn't eat food, but it doesn't say that he'd had no liquids or had no fluids in his body. Um, Growing up, uh, my dad uh, went on a 40-day fast where he had nothing to eat. He had liquids, and the liquids varied from water to lemon juice or juice with lemon. You know, so there's just because water, I guess, after a while, gets kind of bland and unappealing. But that's that's what we call a fast where you're you're not eating any food. You're you're drinking liquids, but you're not having any foods. And then... Then we have what we, we refer to as a partial fast, where you abstain from certain foods for a period of time. Now, Daniel um, is an example of this. When he and his, and the, the story, him and some of the other young people were carried off to Babylon and they were given the, the palace meals, it says that Daniel um, um, said, I mourned for three weeks. I ate, I did not eat the choice food. And no meat or wine touched my lips, and I used no lotions at all until the three weeks were over. He ate vegetables. In fact, some of you may have referenced, and may understand this as the Daniel fast, where there's vegetables and things to eat, but there's no meat, there's no, in this case, no wine. Um, so it's a selective fast. So you're eating some foods and not others. I know that for some, the fast that we're embarking on uh, here as, as a church community um, their fasting is going to be chocolate. <clears throat> they really, really love chocolate. And so this is for them is a really big sacrifice. Um, and, and we smile, but for them it really is this, is, this is a big deal for them. And so for 21 days, they're not eating chocolate. Other people are doing different things. You know, there's some other, maybe they're going to forego one meal. I'm not going to eat dinner. I'll eat breakfast and lunch, but I'm not going to eat dinner. So it's selected fasting, and that's also very common um, for a lot of people, for, again, for health reasons, other reasons, that's the kind of fast they're choosing, and that's okay. What is it that God might be asking you to do? I do think challenge, that, that fasting should be a challenge, and that there should be this sense of, man, this is really costing me something, even if it's just how you're feeling and the emotions that are that you're going through at the time. But a partial fast is what's being talked about there, what many of our people engage in. So why are we, that's again a lot of information about fasting, but why are we at Grace Covenant embarking on this 21-day period? One reason is that we desire greater awareness of God's presence. Isaiah was talking about fasting uh, to the Israelites And in reference to fasting, he says, Then your light will break forth like the dawn, and your healing will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you, and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. 
Then you will call and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help and he will say, here am I. What happens when you find yourself in love with another person? You spend most of your time thinking about them, don't you? You can't wait until you see them again. Um, Many of you know that Betsy and I met in college. And and I knew her, we were friends for about a year and a half, um, and ultimately became more of a dating relationship. And uh, and I I fell quickly when I when I kind of got there I was I was gone and uh, I couldn't wait to see her. We tried to study together in the library that was worthless. <laughs> I couldn't concentrate. I just it was just very distracting and you know it just it just <sighs> yeah my grades didn't do well that particular semester. But have you ever felt like that about someone where you just couldn't wait to see them again? And you just, every time you were in their presence and just you were with them, it just, life was good. And have you ever felt that way about God? There's a book um, uh, that I've, I've got talking about the stages of faith. <clears throat> and during the more mature stages, they've actually looked at this and there's, I think, six different stages that they've identified it says, during some of the later stages of faith, we come to a point where things matter less and less to us. We come to learn that the more of God we have, the less of everything else we want. We do not renounce material possessions, but we simply learn to want them less. We no longer depend upon things or people to fulfill us. We only want more of God. That's one of the reasons why we're embarking on this 21 days of prayer and fasting is because we as a group and as the leaders of Grace Covenant Church want more of God. Another reason we're doing this is that we want to prepare for new seasons of life. In Matthew, now this actually, the verse you're looking at is actually begins in chapter 4. I'm going to actually go back to the end of chapter 3 because I think it sets the stage. As soon as Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Then then in chapter 4, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Okay, so get this. You've just been baptized. Literally, the Spirit of God comes down in the form of a dove. Whether it's an audible voice from heaven, something really big just happened. And so what happens next? It's not this big ceremony. There's not this parade. You know, he's not honored with all these awards because, you know, he's, you know, there's none of that. From that moment, Jesus goes into the wilderness fast for 40 days and 40 nights, and he was hungry. That's how Jesus' ministry began. Not with great fanfare, but with an intense period of prayer and fasting. Prayer and fasting is appropriate if you believe God is beginning or about to do something new in your life. 
Another reason we're fasting for these 21 days is that we want and need God's intervention in our lives. And again here, you have verses 3 and 4. I'm going to back up to verses 1 and 2 and read that. After this, from Second Chronicles 20, after this, the Moabites, the Ammonites with some of the otherites came to wage war against Jehoshaphat. Some people came and told him, a vast army is coming against you from Edom, from the other side of the Dead Sea. It is already in the neighboring um, um, tribes. This is where we pick up here. Alarmed, Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord, and he proclaimed a fast for all Judah. The people of Judah came together to seek help from the Lord. Indeed, they came from every town in Judah to seek him. Context is everything. Why are they fasting? Because there is enemy armies camped outside their city limits, if you will, and are about ready to attack them. They desperately needed God's intervention at that point in time to save them. See, here's something that's really interesting to me. By its very nature, fasting seems to suggest that something's wrong. I mean, think about it. You know, eating is a normal part of our human existence. We have to eat to live. So abstaining from eating implies a disruption, that there's something going on. There's some type of a interruption to the rhythm of life. But the Bible uses fasting and abstinence from food to point to something even more necessary for life, and that's communion with and dependence upon God. The Bible consistently portrays fasting in conjunction with themes of disruption and restoration. Through repentance and prayer, fasting can signify the centering of the self in humility, the renewal of the relationship to God's sustaining force. In the midst of disruption, fasting comes to symbolize hope. If you need God's intervention in your life, for you or for a loved one, I encourage you to join us in these 21 days and see what God will do in your life. Let's see if God won't, in fact, intervene on our behalf. And lastly, we're praying and fasting because we want help in discerning God's will and discovering his direction. In Acts 13, <clears throat> It tells us, now the church in Antioch, where there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, and there's a list of other people. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. Over the years in my life, there's been numerous times where I've needed direction. And I needed to hear from God about which direction I should take, which path. I needed to make a decision, and I had no idea what I should do. Early on in my uh, ministry, um, there was a, a, I was offered a position at a college in the area of development, and uh, I desperately needed this job. We had three little kids at this point in time, uh, you know, probably five. Yeah, five, two, and one. Uh, five, maybe not even one at that point in time. So I desperately needed a job. Uh, but this job required a good bit of travel. And uh, so I wasn't sure, what do I do? And I was wrestling with that and praying about it and just trying to seek God. And 
uh, one night I had a dream. <clears throat> and uh, I won't go into the details of the dream, but I woke up and I remembered in vivid detail my dream. That in, then and of itself is key for me. I never remember my dreams. Never. Um, it doesn't matter if I just wake up, whatever I had been dreaming that moment before I woke up, I, I don't recall it. So it ever I have woke, whenever I have woken up and remembered my dream, I always take that as significant. This happened three times in my life where I've looked, where I've remembered the dream in vivid detail. And I, as I'm processing it and thinking it through, I realized that actually is what I need to make this decision. So I woke up, remembered this dream <clears throat> And the gist of the dream told me that the job that I was considering would exact too high a price on my family. It's not that it was a bad thing. It was just that it was going to be very costly in other areas. And so I turned it down. And God did provide it another way. But for me, this idea of prayer and fasting when we're seeking God's direction, they really go hand in hand. So do you want more of God in your life? Are you entering a new season of life? Do you need God's intervention? Do you need God's direction? If you answered yes to any of those questions, you need to be a part of this. Um, now, I understand we had some brochures last week. I don't know if they're just all gone. I didn't see any of them out there about the 21 days of prayer and fasting. However, if you go to gracecovenant.org, Look on our website. There's multiple PDF files that you can download about our season here. So these aren't just generic documents. The things were created specific to these, this three-week period. So I encourage you to go to the website and download some of the other materials there for either reading things that help you use as a resource during this time or they might be able to answer other questions for you about what this might look like. So we're starting Tuesday. So you've got 48 hours if you haven't uh, done so already, to think about what it is you're going to do and how you're going to participate in what God is doing amongst all of us during this season. Now, as a practical matter, I just, just want to remind you that uh, when you fast, typically there's going to come a point in time where you're reminded of the fact you're fasting. Either if, if you're not eating any food, there's going to become a point in time in the day where you're going to say, man, I'm really hungry. Okay, or, you know, in some, this, this one person's case, I really, really need a piece of chocolate right now. Um, that's a sign. Okay, there's a reason why you're feeling that, and your mind needs to say, all right, I'm feeling this way because I've made a choice not to eat. I made a choice not to eat because this is what I'm praying and expecting and believing God to do in my life. Okay. And then that's supposed to remind you then to pray and to actually continue to engage God through prayer about what you want, you're hoping and you're, you're needing from him. Your hunger serves you during a fast and that it's a constant reminder of your biblical purpose. What is you're trying to do? Spiritual fasting is not mainly about what we go without, but who we get more of. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, <clears throat> Thank you for this day. Um, Lord, thank you for your word. And although we've skipped around a good bit, um, within the passages, just very clearly understand that fasting is, is something that is significant for all of us. It should be significant for all of us. 
whether we, we practice uh, full fasts, partial fasts, uh, Lord, whatever it might look like, I ask God that it would become a reality of all of our lives this coming year. That as we become more mature in our faith, as we desire more of you in our lives, may we come to find these times not as things to dread, but actually things that we welcome because of our encounters with you during those times. May we become mature people of faith that value you more than we value things. Father, again, I just pray for each one here that may be undecided about what they will do these next three weeks. Father, bring it to their mind what they should do and let them have their courage uh, to, to take that step of faith. And Father, meet them at their point of need, I pray. Lord, show yourself strong in these next three weeks. Father, at the end of it, may we recognize what you have already begun in our lives and within our group as a whole. Father, if there's any here today who are wavering, who are uncertain about any of this, Lord God, I pray that they would encounter you in a way that we remove all doubt. So Father, we commit ourselves to you. We commit ourselves to your purposes. And it's in Jesus' name I pray all these things. Amen. As you uh, leave here today, I just want to remind you to uh, stop by the, uh, um, the group. There's a name for that. We have the card rack there for all the groups. Um, see what groups they have available. Again, if you have an interest in either being a part of a group or leading a group, hosting a group, come see me because we, we want to be able to offer more opportunities for people to connect. And uh, remember the groups that Donna mentioned, some of the groups that are going uh, already. Uh, so take a look at those. And... Uh, I, I would encourage you, if you're engaging in this 21 days, I don't know, some of you may be journalers already, but I would challenge you, I'm not. I just don't. Um, and so, but my challenge is going to be, for the next three weeks, I want to actually be capturing what God is doing in my own heart. Because this is a concentrated time, and I want to, I want to, I want to track it. Um, and maybe you, you want, God will want to do something similar within you. So I encourage you to, to jot down a few notes as you're proceeding just to see what God is changing in your own heart and life and to see what happens at the end of this three-week period. Let's stand uh, for the benediction. <clears throat> May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show you his favor and give you his peace. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.